Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Good morning, Soul City. How are you? Good. Well, yeah, if you, if you wanted to clap, that's good. I love that. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, good morning. And I was, um, I was over here during worship, and I just turned around to sort of look at all of you, and I, I was really struck by, this is not part of my sermon, uh, I was really struck by what a privilege it is uh, to be a part of this community, uh, and really what a privilege it is uh, to be able to speak to you all. I do not take this for granted. Um, I just wanted, I wanted to share that. And if you're joining us online, I feel that way as well. Um, I take this time very, very seriously, and I'm, I'm really excited to share with you today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is John. Uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and like I just said, I'm really, really glad you decided to carve out some time and hang out with me for a little bit, hang out with us for a little bit. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, if you are worshiping with us online, now would normally be the moment where I say, hey, tell us where you're watching from. But, you know, God's doing a new thing, so I thought maybe we would do a new thing here. So instead of that, why don't you tell us in the chat how long you've been watching Soul City, how long you've been connected here, how long you've been tuning in. Just type that in the chat right now, whether you've been around our church for years or Maybe this is your first time because you accidentally clicked the link on YouTube and you don't really know what this is. That's fine. I'm glad you're here. I hope that you'll stick around. Uh, As you may or may not know, Kelly just mentioned, we have been in this marathon of a series on the Gospel of Mark called Bad News, Good News. And let me tell you, when we were putting together this series, we had no idea just how accurate that title would be, y'all. Not just for the message that Mark has in his gospel, but for the state of our world. Uh, these past few months. Uh, I mean, this year, as well as last year, uh, we have been no stranger to bad news, haven't we? I mean, this year literally started off with an insurrection in our nation's capital, and then all the way to just these past few weeks where our church and our country, we have been uh, praying for and grieving with the communities in Atlanta and in Boulder who have seen two mass shootings just a few days apart, Uh, And if you're connected with those communities, or maybe you're watching online, uh, if you're from Atlanta, watching from Colorado, I just want you to know, our church, we love you. We we see you, we're with you, we are praying for you and for our world. Kind of seems like every week one of us steps up here, and we're wrestling and confronting with more bad news. And at the same time, there is also good news in the world, people. There, There really is. I mean, this year we have seen the rollout of millions of COVID vaccines. This is a thing we've been hoping for and wanting for a really long time. And they're here, we're seeing a lot of people getting to reunite with their family for the first time after like a year of separation. I mean, our church, we're in the midst of an in-person relaunch. There is good news in the world, there absolutely is. And so uh, with all sensitivity to the bad news, both national and personal, I actually wanted to start today uh, just by sharing a bit of good news from my life personally uh, that some of you may or may not be aware of. Uh, In order to share that news, I'd love for you to watch this video. Here we go again. This one probably means nothing. I mean that genuinely. Don't say that probably means nothing. (laughs) Okay, ready? Yep. (gasps) Oh my gosh! (laughs) 
god. That's <laughs> that's there. Oh you won't be able to see it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so obviously, you know, Erin and I, we are very, very excited. She's into her second trimester at this point. Uh, she's doing very, very well. Uh, but I wanted to share with you a little bit of the backstory of that video, really quick. Uh, at that point, when we took that video, when we took that test, we had been trying to get pregnant for about six or seven months at that point, and we were starting to confront some real anxiety that maybe it just wasn't gonna happen for us. Um, during that time, we got a really, really small taste of what couples who walk through infertility have to walk through. Um, but for this specific test, what had happened was, Aaron had already taken a negative test like two days before. And so we really were not expecting this test to be positive. That's why you heard me say at the beginning, this probably means nothing, right? And I actually think that's why my reaction was what it was. In fact, if you weren't watching, let's just watch just my reaction again. Can we do that? Can I just show you? Okay, now watch it again and just think dog that sees a squirrel. Right? Oh gosh, oh gosh. You know, and, and if I'm totally honest with you, uh, I can laugh at that video now, just like you all did. Uh, but at first, you know, when we were showing that, Aaron was showing that video to all of our family and friends, I was a little bit embarrassed by it, actually. Uh, specifically, I was embarrassed by my reaction because I just froze, you know? And Erin, she had shown me all of these really adorable TikTok videos of couples finding out that they're pregnant. And I thought to myself like, oh, ours will probably be like that, right? Like, I'll be shocked, but in a really cute way, you know? I'll get really misty-eyed, but I won't all out cry. I'll, we'll like embrace, we'll kiss. It'll be this really adorable moment that we'll love to watch for years. And instead, I was a dog who saw a tennis ball fall into the pool, you know? like. If I'm totally honest, I had all of these expectations, you know, of what it would be like if and when we found out that we were pregnant. But when it actually happened, it didn't really happen in the way that I expected. The title of my message today is It's Not What I Thought. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. And actually, if you're here in the room, can you just say that for me? Say, it's not what I thought. If you're watching online, just type that confession into the chat by faith. I promise you it'll make sense later. Just type, it's not what I thought. Have you maybe ever had a moment like that where you got what you wanted, but not in the way you expected? Like, I don't know, hypothetical situation. Maybe like a year ago, you were like, you know, I'd really like the option to work from home more. <laughs> like, why is my boss such a stickler? Technology is what it is, why can't I work remotely? And you never imagined that that would come from a global pandemic that would force you into that situation for more than a year. Or uh, some of you all, maybe some of you watching, some of you in this room, you're, you're single, and you have some idea, some expectations of the qualities that your future spouse will have. Some of y'all got a 10-page document. It's a job description, right? 
And maybe now you find yourself in a dating relationship. Maybe it's getting pretty serious. And this is a person you adore. You, you really love them. But they look totally different than the Franken-husband you created when you were 17 years old. And they very well might be the person for you. But they're not really what you thought. I think we all have had moments like this. These moments where what you hoped for happened, but just not in the way that you hoped. Yeah? Maybe where God answered a prayer in your life, but the answer came in a very different package than you thought. Or maybe God blessed you, but that blessing actually came from God showing you your brokenness. I've had seasons of incredible growth in my life, but that growth actually came through immense grief. You know, maybe you're sitting here and you can think of a time in your life where God, he made a way for you, but it was a totally different route than you were expecting. You know, even for me, like as a pastor, you know, someone who fancies himself very knowledgeable on the things of God, in touch with the Spirit, when I look at the work of God in my life, most of the time, I gotta throw my hands up in the air and say, you know what, it's not what I thought. You did it again, God. It's just not what we expected. But one thing that I've learned, I think, is that a life of faith, what it often means is letting go of my expectations of God so that I can actually step into transformation with God. Letting go of what I expected or even what I wanted or sometimes even letting go of what I thought I needed in order to actually step in and open myself up to what God is really doing. And that's some of the difficult work I want us to do together this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead, Bible of any kind, open it up to Mark chapter 11. We just heard our friend, Reverend Chris Griffin, uh, read from Mark chapter 11, and he read the story that we pretty much always read on Palm Sunday, this story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem to the fanfare of the crowd. For those of you who don't know, Palm Sunday, it marks the beginning of Holy Week, and this is a seven-day countdown to Easter. And in a really similar way, this story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, it marks the beginning of of the final week of his life, which as many of us know, ultimately will culminate with him marching to the cross and being buried in a tomb. And if you grew up in church, uh, likely for you, Palm Sunday, it was a day of joy and celebration, right? Maybe you and your family were actually handed a very real, organic, just plucked palm branch as you walked into the service. Anyone go to a church like this where you're handed a palm branch? Yeah, absolutely. Which I, by the way, always thought that was a weird tradition just because you got a five-year-old that you're trying to get to sit through a church service and you give them a stick just kind of seemed dangerous. Just kind of seemed dangerous. And, but it makes sense. It makes sense that we would celebrate Palm Sunday in this way because on the surface, this story is celebratory, isn't it? This is a story that is filled with joy, crowds shouting, we're so excited. But you should know that just underneath the surface, this is actually a story of deep symbolism, of tragic irony, and I believe ultimately this is a story of misunderstanding for God's people. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble this morning, but when it comes to the story of Palm Sunday, chances are it's not what you thought. But in order for us to really understand what's going on in this story, we have to dive in to what I call the Bible verse. And what I mean by that, I don't mean the verses of the Bible as much as I mean the universe of the Bible. 
Aaron and I, during quarantine, we've been watching a lot of Marvel movies. Any Marvel fans out there? Yes, of course, wonderful. We made the mistake of watching Infinity War and Endgame without watching any of the others. Yeah, you know why that's a mistake, right? Because there are things that happen in those movies, there's images, there's words that are said, and what's actually happening is they are hearkening back to a film that was made 10 years ago. Or they're hearkening back to a comic book that was made 40 years ago. Strangely enough, they actually call these Easter eggs. Shout out Easter, come next week. But you are gonna totally miss, it's gonna totally go over your head what's happening if you don't understand the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The writers of the Bible are like people who make superhero movies. And what I mean by that is they will drop a reference or they will just throw an image in there and what they're actually doing is hearkening back to something that happened hundreds, sometimes even thousands of years ago. But if you are not immersed in the Bible verse, it'll just go totally over your head. So let's bring each other up to speed. Are you excited about going into the Bible verse together? Some of you are, great. Uh, if you're watching online, just by faith, say, John, take me into the Bible verse. Grab Peter Parker, grab Miles Morales, let's go, we're going in. So, I wanna start in verse seven, Mark chapter 11, verse seven. So Jesus, he sent his disciples to do a little Grand Theft donkey, and they, they grab this donkey from this person in Jerusalem, this colt, and they bring him to Jesus, and in verse seven, it says this. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. This is our friend. He's a bit smaller than I was expecting but we will work with it. So when we hear that Jesus rode a colt into Jerusalem, in our modern day, we might be tempted to think, well, maybe Jesus just got tired. He walked around a lot. Maybe he didn't want to walk the last couple miles, and so he hitched a ride. But you see, the people in Jesus' day, the people in Mark's day, remember, they live in the Bible verse. So they, what they know is that when they get an image, when Mark drops this cult image of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, they know Mark is actually hearkening back to something that was written several hundred years ago by a prophet named Zechariah. And Zechariah, he had written this promise from God to the people of God that said this. In Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. That's just another way of saying rejoice, people of God. Shout, people of God. See your, what's the next word? King, king comes to you. Your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Something you need to know is that at this time in history, the Jewish people, God's people, they were living under the occupation of the Roman Empire. So Caesar at this time was king, but for the Jews, Caesar wasn't their king. And so the Jewish people at this time, they clung to this promise, this promise from God that one day God would send them their true king, a king sent by God. And according to Zechariah, that king would come riding on a colt. So again, when we see a colt, we just see Jesus riding side saddle. But when the people in the Bible verse see a cult, they see a king. They see a new ruler for them. 
A new ruler who is going to usher in not the kingdom of God like we talk about. No, 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 no. They see a ruler who's going to usher in the nation of Israel once again. Someone who's going to overthrow the Roman oppressors and reestablish them as a world superpower once again. In other words, they didn't really see Jesus as king of my heart as we sing about. They saw Jesus as a political king of my homeland. Let's keep going and we'll color in the picture a little bit more. Verse eight says, many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut from the fields. These are the palm branches that five-year-olds in Methodist churches everywhere are hitting people with this morning. (laughs) But again, if you live in the Bible verse, this is not just a lovely spring floral piece of greenery. We just mentioned how the story of the Jewish people all throughout history, not just this moment, the story of the Jewish people is a story of oppression and occupation. And we just talked about the Roman oppression in Jesus's day, but about one century before Jesus, the Jews were under the occupation of another foreign empire. And during that time, there was a priest named Judah Maccabee. His nickname was Judah the Hammer which is just an amazing nickname. MC did not do it first, Judah did it first. And what Judah the Hammer did is he led this violent revolution. He led this bloody war, this conquest, in which he actually overthrew the powerful Persian Empire and he established a short-lived dynasty for the Jewish people because of this bloody war he waged. And do you wanna know what Judah Maccabee chose as the symbol for his violent, bloody revolution? a palm branch. And you better believe that the people who are throwing their palm branches down and waving it in the air, they knew the story of Judah Maccabee. You see, we just see a beautiful spring-like symbol, but for the people in the Bible verse, a palm tree, it was a symbol of Jewish nationalism. These people, believe me, they were excited about Jesus but they were excited because they thought he was gonna be another revolutionary like Judah Maccabee. They thought he was gonna lead another violent revolution. He was gonna cut off Caesar's head in the local square and liberate them from their oppressors. That's why they start shouting Hosanna in verse nine. Hosanna means save us. And they don't mean save us in a spiritual sense. They mean save us from our oppressors. We are being oppressed, save us, liberate us, take over. Jesus. You see, when we spend a little time in the Bible verse, we start to see that the story of Palm Sunday for God's people, it was actually a story of misunderstanding. The story of Palm Sunday was actually a story of unmet expectations when it comes to Jesus. Because just a few days later, Jesus did not cut off Caesar's head. Jesus did not kill the Romans. Jesus, a few days later, was actually killed by the Romans. For the people of Palm Sunday, Jesus, he was not a spiritual savior that we talk about. For them, Jesus was more a way to political power through military might. But it was not what they thought, was it? At least, it wasn't exactly what they thought. Because if you think about it, they thought Jesus was a liberator. And he was a liberator. Jesus is a liberator, but he didn't just come to liberate Israel from Rome. 
He came to do something much bigger. He came to liberate all people from all oppression and all evil and all sin. Jesus did start a revolution. He just didn't start the revolution they had hoped for. He didn't start a revolution of the flesh by the sword. He started a revolution of the human soul by the Spirit of God. A revolution that is still alive and living in us today. And what we celebrate on Palm Sunday is that Jesus is king. He's just not the type of king that they thought. Their vision of a king was far too small for what he was up to. Because what is Jesus? What do we call him? We don't just call him king. We call him king of kings. We call him Lord of lords. And Jesus' kingdom, it ain't like Judah Maccabee's kingdom. It's not a kingdom that comes through violent, oppressive force that only is short-lived and then fizzles. His kingdom is the kingdom of God, which will never fall and never fail and is not only everlasting, but is also here and present and available and moving and transforming even now. You can clap. It's true. And what we're clapping about is that the good news of Palm Sunday is that Jesus, he's not who they thought. What we see through the people of Palm Sunday, actually, is that they weren't outright wrong about Jesus, were they? Like, they weren't totally off base, but they had minimized his mission, didn't they? They had misunderstood the ministry that he was actually doing. What they had done is they had boxed him in to their kingdom and their agenda and their desires and their hopes rather than opening themselves up to his kingdom that was about to break in and change everything. And you know, I can sit here and I can look down on them for not seeing all the signs and not reading them correctly, but the reality is I can't tell you how often I do the same thing to God. I can't tell you how often I try and minimize a relationship with Jesus to just one belief or one practice. And if you don't share that belief, or if you don't also practice that practice, well, then I have a judgment about your relationship with Jesus and whether it's actually valid. I can't tell you how often I try and conform Jesus to my agenda, my will, my desires for my life or this church or our world, rather than actually opening myself up to his will, his desires, his kingdom, because that's actually his invitation. can't tell you how often in my life I am totally okay with Jesus' love and grace and forgiveness for me, but not when it's also extended to people who have hurt me not when it's given to people I was wronged by. And I'm willing to guess you probably do this too. We all do this. The reality is we all minimize, we all misunderstand, we all misconstrue who Jesus actually is. Maybe you grew up in a church tradition that preached a Jesus that was nothing more than a life insurance policy. Just Jesus is just the way to get to heaven when you die, and so what happens here, it doesn't really matter. That's to completely minimize who Jesus really was and is. Or, or maybe you have a, a spirituality that kind of treats God like a, like a vending machine or a caffeine hit. You know, you really only come to God when you need something. Or how about when we misuse Jesus as ammunition? Where we take his words and we take his character, we treat him as a grenade just to throw at someone to prove our own point. Or to show that we're the one who is actually right. 
few years ago, I found myself at a retreat with a, a bunch of sort of young leaders in the church. And we all came from very different backgrounds, all from very different denominations. And, and I found myself kind of sitting on the side most of the time in worship, listening to people pray over the group. And every now and then I'd hear something and I'd go, is that true? Like, like I, I think I know what he means, but like, hold on. Or, or I'd, I'd have my eyes closed in worship, be, you know, praising God, and then I'd just hear someone to my right, and I'd, okay, <laughs> fine, cool. What was going on inside was not the Spirit giving me wisdom, <laughs> which is what I thought at the time. What was happening inside is that I had a vision of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. I had an idea of what it meant to express my faith, and anyone that didn't mirror what I thought it was, was wrong. And do you want to know what God's word to me that night was? <laughs> very, very clearly by the Spirit. It was very simple. John, you're wrong. And also, John, they're wrong too. They're not wrong in that they're totally inaccurate. They're wrong in that they're likely incomplete. What you're seeing is a part. John, you are a part of this body. What you're seeing is another part of the body. And John, you can't even conceive how big God is. John, you can't even begin to comprehend just how many different expressions and wonderful experiences there are of God and all of who he is. There's a million different ways that we misconstrue or minimize Jesus. But I didn't come here to just tell you that you got everything wrong when it came to Jesus. That wouldn't be a very good sermon, would it? I came here, as our title suggests, with bad news and with good news. When it comes to a relationship with Jesus, the bad news is, as I discovered, as the disciples discovered, as everyone who was here at Palm Sunday discovered, the bad news is, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, it's not what you thought. And hear me, I don't say that to, to discourage you in any sort of way, believe me. I, I don't say that to say that everything you ever believed about Jesus is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But the reality is, I don't really care who you are. Like, I don't care if, if you've read the Bible a million times. I don't care if you have a million seminary degrees. I don't care if you're the person who's preaching this sermon. The reality is, even our most biblically accurate, wise, spiritual picture of Jesus, it actually falls short of who he actually was and what he was really about. When it comes to a relationship with Jesus, the bad news is, it's not what you thought. But the good news is, it's even better than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you get it. You're the ones clapping. Others of you, you either don't get it or you're being mean to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but do you, so some of you, some of you walked in here today uh, on cloud nine, you know, like you're having, God is just blessing you beyond blessing in your life. You're saying God is good, praise the name. Uh, and that's very easy for you. I want you to know if you're in that space today, that is awesome. I love that. It's also not what you thought. It's even better than that. But also, it, maybe you're here or you're watching online and you're not even sure what you think about all of this. Like, you don't really know about, you know, Jesus or faith or church, either because it's all new 
Or maybe because you've had some bad experiences with it before. Maybe you have had some hurts that that the church or church leaders have caused in your past. Can I just tell you something that's true? It's not what you thought. Just listen to me. It is not what you were shown. Jesus, he's not like they said. He's not like they misrepresented. He is so much better than that. And believe me, it's not just better, folks. But, but maybe you're a person who is, who is totally content with a Sunday-only spirituality. <laughs> you know, where you, where you show up here for an hour and you invite God into your life for these 60 minutes, but you don't really think about it otherwise. I want you to know, if that's where you're at this morning, that is a great start. That is fantastic. But I also want you to know, it's not what you thought. It's more than that. It's so much more than that. Jesus, he doesn't want to just transform your Sunday morning. Jesus wants to inform and transform every area of your life. Jesus has more for you than you could ever imagine when we say yes to him. Or maybe you're kind of the opposite. Maybe you've been in the game with God for a while, you know, but you've kind of hit a wall. You feel like, well, maybe this is all that there is. Like, I've learned all I need to learn, served all that I can serve, and maybe I've just gone as deep as I can go. Can I tell you it's not what you thought? It's deeper. Believe me, anyone who's been in this game for a while, you know it's when you think you've hit the bottom with God that the bottom actually breaks open and you discover there's a whole nother cave to explore. That's the beauty of a journey of faith. For me... Maybe you're like this. Lately, I really struggle being around people I disagree with. Specifically about the important things for me, things of faith, often things politically. I just struggle being around people who I disagree with and I don't understand how they don't see it the way I see it. I get it. But what I need to be reminded is that if my relationship with Jesus is causing me to draw more dividing lines in my life, If my relationship with Jesus is causing me to close doors on more people, what I need to be reminded of, John, it's not what you thought. It's so much wider than that. What we see from Jesus is a deep, deep desire to open more doors, to sit at more tables with people who see things totally differently. He does it with the tax collector and with the fisherman with the Pharisee and with the leper, with the conservative and with the progressive. The reality is the communion table of Jesus is far wider than my kitchen table mostly is. The heart of this message is that for any of us, for any of us, me included, who are trying to to put Jesus into a, a human category or a religious box, the reality is that it's not what you thought. It's bigger, it's more. It's greater, it's deeper, it's wider, it's more all-encompassing than you could ever, ever imagine. And so this week, I don't necessarily have any specific homework for you or anything like that. I was just thinking, what a great posture to walk into Holy Week with. Then to open ourselves up to the possibility that maybe our ideas of God Maybe the expectations we have of God, maybe all the categories we created, maybe we're not 100% right about everything all the time. Like maybe there's still a little bit more to learn. Maybe there's still a little bit deeper to go. Maybe God is even more. Maybe Jesus is even better than we thought. 
What a way to go into this holy week. So I just want to ask you all to, to stand real quick, if you would. If you're watching online, you can take whatever posture you need. And I'll just ask you to open up your hands to receive this prayer. This is a prayer that was prayed by the Apostle Paul over one of the first churches. And he prayed these words. And this is my prayer for you, Soul City. I pray that you, I pray that you being rooted and established in love might have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, to begin to understand how long, to begin to explore how high, how deep, to search for how good, how loving, how full, how much more than you ever imagined or expected is the love of Christ. Jesus, we thank you that you are not what we thought. You're not what we expected. In some ways, and sometimes you might not even be what we wanted, but you are always what we need. Thank you, Jesus, for beginning to break up the categories and the boxes that we tend to put you in. And would you open us up to a vision of you, to an experience of you that is so much more that is so much broader, that is so much deeper, so much more transformative and all-encompassing than we could ever ask or imagine. Would you show us that? Holy Spirit, would you show us beyond human words, beyond music, beyond structures, beyond church, beyond anything? We just want you. We want to marvel at who you are this week, Jesus. In all of your goodness, in all of your grace, in all of your mercy, we pray this in your name. Amen.